You're listening to Seattle Real Estate Podcast. If you woke up this morning and the first question you asked yourself was, I wonder if they caught the dude who murdered Horace Lorenzo Anderson in the CHOP autonomous zone in the Capitol Hill oppression protest zone in Seattle last summer, this is your podcast. Because I'm going to tell you, we got that. And we've also got, this is kind of a big breaking story here, local NPR, I know, I know, National Propaganda Radio, they have kind of put together a report that blames somebody for the whole exit of the police force from the East Precinct in Seattle in during the chop period. They've got a theory, and we're going to read that as well. So these are a couple of important chopped updates. If you're a chop junkie, and uh, a lot of people in Seattle and a lot of people around the world actually have been, I can't tell you how many people from outside the continental United States have had reach out to me on the whole chop thing. It's kind of a, I mean, it's, it's this weird little area created in, in Seattle and it's got a lot of history and that's what we're talking about today. If you're new here, welcome. My name is Sean Reynolds. I own a couple of real estate companies, but more importantly, I read the news. Hopefully that you want to hear. All right. And hey, if you're a subscriber, hit that notification bell, that little bell on the YouTube deal. If you're watching this on YouTube, um, yeah, YouTube unnotified most of my uh, subscribers. Ah, who knows? Who knows what's going on? After more than a year on the run, the man accused of fatally shooting 19 year old Horace Lorenzo Anderson inside the six block area that last summer was known as the Capitol Hill organized protest was arrested yesterday in Des Moines here in uh, Seattle. So that's kind of a South Seattle neighborhood. Seattle police identified Marcel Long, and they've identified him a long time ago, basically said, hey, this dude's on the run. We need to arrest him, bring him in for justice. Seattle police identified Marcel Long as the man suspected of killing Anderson within a day of the June 20th, 2020 shooting at 10th Avenue and East Pine Street and learned Long, now 19, had fled the state, according to first degree murder charge filed against him in August. He had been wanted on a $2 million arrest warrant since then. Members of the U.S. Marshals Pacific Northwest Violent Offender Task Force recently determined that Long was staying at a Des Moines apartment complex. A Monday news release said Long was seen walking on South 216th Street near 14th Avenue South and was arrested after a brief foot chase. Long was booked into the King County Jail at 425 p.m. Jail records show. Anderson and Long had apparently been feuding since 2019 after they were involved in a fight, which Anderson lost, that had been posted on YouTube charging papers say. I looked for that video, well, you know, like a year ago, I could never find it, but I'm told it was out there. Several people called 911 around 2.20am on June 20th, 2020, to report the shooting, but arriving police officers were met by an angry crowd and left after someone yelled that the shooting victim had already been transported to Harborview Medical Center, the charges say. So I've watched a ton of video on that whole exchange. And what you had is literally an angry mob in the center of CHOP. And you had an ambulance trying to get through the angry mob and they're yelling at the ambulance. And the ambulance, their orders, their instructions are wait for the police to clear the scene and then you go in. That's protocol. They did what they're supposed to do. They're basically just waiting for the police to do their thing. 
that didn't happen. And what happened is the Capitol Hill oppression protest folks, the chop folks, the Chaz folks, whatever you want to call it. They took this kid who was shot they took him uh, in kind of their homemade ambulance. They had a team of medics and they took him there, took him to Harborview, I think, and uh, where he later died. Anderson died at the hospital 33 minutes after the first 911 calls. Though detectives and crime scene investigators were unable to enter the chop zone to gather evidence, photographs of the scene or interview witnesses as they normally would during a homicide investigation, several people either contacted police or were interviewed by detectives in the 72 hours following the fatal shooting. Uh, the charges say one man photographed bloodstains on the pavement and turned shell casings into police along with notes detailing where they were located. Several anonymous tips also identified Long as the gunman. A Capitol Hill business owner provided police with high quality video surveillance footage that showed Anderson and Long talking before Long pulled a gun and pointed it at Anderson, the charges say. Other people tried to detain Long as Anderson walked away, but he broke free and ran after Anderson. When Long and several others caught up to Anderson, the footage captured a fist fight. Then Long raised his arm and appeared to fire twice with his gun angled downward, the charges say. Anderson couldn't be seen on that portion of the video and was presumably down on the sidewalk with gunshot wounds. Anderson's mother and father have filed separate lawsuits against the city, claiming that city officials created a dangerous environment by allowing racial justice protesters to occupy the CHOP zone. They say police and fire officials failed to render aid as Anderson bled out. The Seattle Times has previously reported. Okay, so that is the basis of their lawsuit. And that is part of the reason I'm reading the article number two today, to kind of see what the theory is as far as who ordered the abandonment of the East Precinct, because we've got multiple lawsuits going on now. We've got a lawsuit from the mother and father of Anderson, the kid that was shot here and killed. We've got a lawsuit from local residents and businesses who've basically said they were left in a state of anarchy and they were damaged. Um, the Seattle Times has sued this uh, city because of the way that the um, information was dispersed or not dispersed, as is the case, because we've got these and, and we've also got other lawsuits um, because the mayor of the city and the police chief and the fire chief and a bunch of, you know, high ranking police officers, they all miraculously had their text messaging on their phones deleted from like June of 2019. I can't remember. It's a long period. But miraculously, it covers the entire chop period until late June, because then by then everything was said and done and agreed to and um, um, so now we're just kind of waiting to find out. All right, let's see who actually ordered the abandonment of the East Precinct because that kind of set up the whole chop thing. And um, then we've got some liability going on. And so a number of these lawsuits all hinge on the information coming down. And uh, KUOW, um, they've got a theory. 
And we're going to talk about that in just a sec. But let's finish this one out. All right. We are grateful. And this is the parents, I believe we are grateful for the hard work of law enforcement for finally bringing in the suspect who shot Lorenzo Anderson, Evan Ocean, an attorney representing Anderson's estate and his father, Horace Anderson said Monday in an emailed statement, the younger Anderson went by his middle name. However, the flawed political system, ah, the political system, which allowed the chop zone to exist and allow lawlessness to reign on Seattle, are at the core of why Lorenzo, a black special needs teenager, bled out and died on June 20th, 2020. I think I was there on June 18th or June 19th. I was there right before the shooting happened. I mean, it was the summer of love until it wasn't right. And then it just another shooting at the end, uh, another 19 year old kid, no 16 year old kid got murdered. The failed leadership of Seattle, including the mayor, city council, EMT and others responsible for not helping Lorenzo as he bled to death due to negligence and or incompetency of city, state and county management will be brought to justice, the statement said. No arrests have been made and no suspects have been named publicly in the other fatal shooting that took place during pro, uh, the protest at the CHOP, which left 16-year-old Antonio Mays Jr. dead and uh, his 14-year-old sidekick was wounded. Now, who killed Antonio Mays Jr.? Antifa did, right? I mean, they were lined up on the east side of, pre of the precinct they had and I was there oh, a day before that happened. And I was there right after it happened. They had the memorial set up on I think it's 11th Avenue, I believe it's 11th Avenue. But it's, uh, it's whatever Avenue borders the Capitol Hill, so that the east precinct of the Seattle Police Station, it borders that precinct on the east side. Um, and he ran his white what was it Jeep Wagoneer, I think it was into the uh, concrete barricade. And a lot of these were barricades that the protesters, namely Antifa at that point in, in the game, had barricaded themselves in as kind of the last bastion right around the precinct. This uh, Antonio Mays Jr. drove his car into the barricade, cranked off some rounds, and then he just got lit up with gunfire. If you hear the audio of of that shooting, it was like firecrackers going off, just bang, 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 bang. And, um, you know, probably some semi-automatic, fast as you can pull the trigger, gun shoots. Um, he lost his life. A lot of people say he was shooting first and, you know, this was an accident, but he was killed by somebody and it was the protesters that were there. We've never, there's never been any actual um, identification of the, the actual shooters because I think, I think it's assumed he was probably killed by a bunch of people and they're just, they're letting it go. I don't know. I've never heard anything on, on that story. But um, now we kind of know that the sus uh, suspected gunman, uh, Marcel Long, he is in custody, and he will hopefully be brought to justice if he is indeed the shooter, because we are presumed innocent until proven guilty. All right. So the next story is KUOW report blame, uh, puts blame for the East Precinct abandonment 
on assistant chief. This is a really interesting one. And this came out yesterday. The story came out yesterday as well. KUOW has finally ended months of uncertainty around the decision for the Seattle police to abandon the East Precinct building at 12th and Pine and open the way for the formation of CHOP. So a lot of the lawsuits, they come down to who ordered this to happen? Whose fault is this? Because if it can be turned out that it's the city's fault, somebody from the city, the payouts, somebody's gonna pay, show me the money. It's going to be some big, big payouts, right? It turns out the answer brings more questions as we await the results of the Office of Police Accountability, the OPA, their investigation into the Seattle Police Department's withdrawal. In a sprawling 3,000-word report, Seattle's National Public Radio member station reports, we know who made the call to leave Seattle Police East Precinct last summer, finally, and hangs the blame on Assistant Chief Tom Mahaffey and his worries about a possible arson attack. All right, so this is, let's be clear, this is a theory by KUOW, which is a radio station, and they got a bunch of this information together, and they've kind of put it together, and they're basically saying, here's what we think. That's what we're reading here, right? This isn't set in stone. We don't know for sure, and I will wait until further comment um, to, I want to know from, from some more authorities, you know, from this office of police accountability, let's see what they say as well. But this theory, it makes sense. When I read it, I was like, all right, I have no reason not to believe that. But again, this is a radio station reporting this. Let's be clear, right? It's kind of like listening to a real estate guy who has a podcast, you know, go at your own Go at your own risk. At a police office in Belltown, Mahaffey and his deputy, Captain Grossman, meet in a small command room with four or five others. It's here that they decide to leave the East Precinct. It's too dangerous to stay there, Grossman says. It's an unexpected pivot. Hours earlier, Mahaffey had shouted down a room over letting protesters walk by the precinct. Between then and now, he has changed his mind. Maybe it's the mayor's staff begging police to consider an alternative approach or Fire Chief Scoggins who warned of disaster should the precinct burn. And because if the precinct burns, it's got a bunch of uh, residential units on the other side, it would be that would have been disastrous. Or maybe it is his deputies walking him through what it would look like if police removed themselves from this tense equation. He does not tell Chief Best about this plan. Now, okay, why wouldn't you tell Chief Best? I am no police officer, but wouldn't you run that up command? Does he not need to? I don't know. I mean, um, Assistant Chief, does he not have to report to the Chief Chief, Chief Best? And it is ironic that Chief Best resigned shortly after the whole chop thing. She was like, yep, I'm done. I am done. She put up with a lot of nonsense. All the police put up with a lot of nonsense during this period. Just a lot of just ridiculous BS went down. 
The KUOW report lays out a scenario in Seattle featuring a stressed out police department engaged in a logistical and political battle of wills with the mayor's office and seems to make the case that both Mayor Jenny Durkin and former Chief Carmen Best were fully blindsided by the decision to empty the building over concerns the Otto Rowe era structure could be targeted in an arson attack. The story gives the who, how, and why to the scenario described by officials from the first hours of the abandonment and reported here by Capitol Hill. Uh, what's this thing I'm reading here? Capitol Hill, Seattle newsletter in November of a tactical action by best on the ground commanders uh, that stemmed from Durkin administration efforts to reach out to Black Lives Matter demonstrators. We took down the barricades because we really wanted to establish trust, Best told media later that June. Yeah, I had heard that too. And if you saw how some of the Black Lives Matter demonstrators handled things, it was pretty, it was pretty much straight anarchy. There wasn't a lot of organization. Um, by the straight demonstrators, there were some big events that were happened there that had some demonstration. But the actual demonstrators when they were doing their thing and more towards the end, it I mean, it was chaos. It was routine chaos. I've got a lot of video of that people just yelling at each other, people yelling things, people arguing, people with just arguments that made no sense at all. And it didn't really seem like anybody was in charge because I don't think they really were. The KUOW report does not address evidence that the decision should have been visible to best as part of the department incident action plan approved by Seattle Police Department officials. Yeah, that's a head scratcher to me too. How is the police chief not fully dialed into this? How does that happen? And then we never, we've never really heard anything about this either. The police chief just kind of went kind of mum, mum's the word, and um We've never really found out. And the KUOW report does not explain the depth of the abandonment Capitol Hill, Seattle reported in June as we looked back on the one-year anniversary of CHOP. For weeks after the withdrawal, Seattle Police Department refused to respond to most incidents near the protest zone. Well, they're basically asked to leave, right? Or they left. I don't know. Neighbors and businesses reported that Seattle Police Department officers were not responding to 911 calls around the protest zone as the area took on a party-like atmosphere with speeches, rallies, music, and dancing as demands began to crystallize around defunding the Seattle Police Department. That, to me, happened pretty early on. Each of the signs at the entrances to CHOP, which were basically just a wooden barricade with a sign on them, um, they all said, you know, we've got three demands. And they were defund the Seattle police by 50% and do it right now. And then we had um, release all the protesters. And, and it was uh, invest in uh, community projects, something like that. But defund the Seattle police by 50% now. With residents and businesses near CHOP struggling with the day-to-day -day living and doing business in the midst of the protest zone, the inconvenience of the camp, the noise, and the difficulties with Seattle Police Department's reluctance to respond inside the zone would soon be overshadowed. Less than two weeks after the precinct was emptied, 19-year-old Lorenzo Anderson was shot and killed at 10th and Pine. And then shortly thereafter that, the other kid who was 16, he was murdered as well. So then we had two 
murderers. And we also had a march on Jenny Durkin's house by Shama Sawant and a bunch of protesters. Mm, not good. Because Mayor Durkin is a former federal prosecutor. We're not really supposed to allow her address out. It's just one of those, let's keep her alive kind of things for her duty as a federal prosecutor. And I'm okay with that. And then when a council member literally marches on her house with a group of nut jobs, that's a hard no go for me. And it's a hard no go for a lot of other citizens because there is a recall on Sawant right now. And Sawant is uh, in the process of pushing that along because she wants the recall to happen. She wants the recall vote to happen in November instead of a special election some other time. Um, she just figures her odds are better during the special or during the, the general election. Something like that. If I'm a little off there, apologies. KUOW's report comes as yet another Office of Police Accountability report is expected soon. This one complaints related to the abandonment of the precinct. In May, former Assistant Chief Steve Herjok was demoted, but not fired, for his role in sparking the notorious pink umbrella incident during CHOP. Assistant chiefs, it turns out, represent an easier path to discipline for Chief Adrian Diaz, as the assistants are not members of the powerful Seattle Police Officers Guild. Um, we'll know more about consequences, if any, for Assistant Chief Mahaffey soon. I don't think there will be any. As for the East Precinct, police moved back into the building following the July 1st, 2020 raid on CHOP, which I was there, and I shot footage, and that was... Uh, that was trippy, watching the Seattle Police Department go shoulder to shoulder, walking throughout the park, just basically clearing everything out of their path. Tents, you name it, got all the, the campers out, got all the protesters out, got all the protesters out of the East Precinct, took back the East Precinct, and then started to allow uh, Seattle Department of Transportation to do a a massive cleanup to the park. And then the homeless moved back in and they did another massive cleanup like six months later. A lot of cleaning. Yep. The more than 100 year old building once home to the Willys Overland Motors Automobile Company has, stead, uh, has stood through decades of change on the hill, thanks in part to its large X-shaped seismic braces. Those braces and the East Precinct headquarters inside are now partially hidden behind the large, probably permanent security fence put in place to prevent the fire attack that caused so much worry last summer. As you remember, the peaceful protesters, they tried to set the precinct on fire and then quickrete use fast setting concrete to seal the door shut to literally cook and burn the police officers inside their own precinct. But don't worry, they were still deemed peaceful protesters. Hmm. So that's literally kind of where we sit with the whole chop chaz. We've got the murderer of Horace Anderson, Lorenzo Horace Anderson. So that kid is now behind bars. He's awaiting his turn at justice. And we've got a theory here that it was the assistant chief that ordered this. I have a hard time believing that the current chief at that time, Chief Best, didn't have any input to this. 
If that's true, I don't know. That just seems pretty crazy um, to me. But um, I thought the police moving out of the precinct was pretty nutty also. But decisions were made and I wasn't there. And this wasn't my rodeo. So I'm just a kind of an innocent, I'm literally a dude standing on the outside that happened to be there a bunch of times videoing. I think I've got a video, it's called Chop at Night, walked around Chop at Night. Um, yeah, there were weird times. It was like, yeah, there's no police here. There's no services here. It's kind of a free for all. And uh yeah, it was it was like a it was like a festival gone sideways because you knew you were hearing some rumors of stuff going on. And at one point in time, I remember, you know, they were kind of self policed in there, meaning people with guns wandered around. And I'd heard that was one of the main reasons I went over there to to film chop was I had heard, well, there's armed guards walking around all points of entry into the chop uh, abandoned zone. And I'm like, that sounds like some nonsense. So I'm just going to go take my GoPro and see what's going on. And that's what I did. I spent, uh, I did a bunch of trips over there and a bunch of times over there. You can see that all on, on YouTube. It's, you know, all my videos are there. And um, it, it was was interesting from the standpoint of I watched a guy walk into his tent with some kind of big rifle who was camping in the middle of a city park that had been taken over by a bunch of peaceful protesters who were shooting two black kids. That's kind of how it went. It was like the very lives they're, you know, trying to, you know, be activists towards, they took two lives. So it it was kind of like, all right, I think we all kind of saw this one coming and so did the mayor and it was the summer of love until it wasn't and they shut her down. And that was July 1st. So wild time for Seattle. And um, I ran into some of the protesters over on Broadway on the west side of Broadway and they were a gnarly group. I was literally getting in my parked car and leaving with my younger son, Brennan, who's he was 24 at the time. And uh, they stood in front of my car and didn't want me to necessarily leave because I happened to walk past them and see them bringing somebody, probably a homeless dude who was in an OD, it looked like. They had him on some kind of makeshift gurney and they'd carried him out of chop and they'd put him on Broadway. They're waiting for an ambulance. We were just walking to our car. So I looked at him. They looked at me and then they come over and stood in front of my car and I just kind of sit there and waited for them to leave. I got out on Broadway and left just some crazy times. And just like, really, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. Yes, it was. That was the deal. So I will be interested to kind of see, maybe you won't, maybe you don't care. I was there, you know, probably means more to me, but I kind of want to know what was the real deal with the whole, you know, police department being shut down. I want to know. I just want to know. It's like, hey, good, bad, or indifferent. Just tell me. I can handle it. And then, and then we'll just have to see how these uh, lawsuits get settled for an undescribed amount. What do you want to bet? There's seven figures. Guarantee you there's seven figures a pop, whatever that is. Maybe are they eight? I don't know. There's going to be some negotiating going on. 
because there's some liability here. You take police out of a city area. Yeah, somebody's on the hot seat for that. I believe. I mean, I can't imagine they're not. Well, you know, every now and then we just take the police off the streets and have them abandon their precinct. What could go wrong? Well, that did. Chop. Yep. All right. That's it for me on this one. Thanks so much for being here. Love to have you subscribe if you haven't. We're doing two podcasts a day, one on Saturday and Sunday, two, two a day, Monday through Friday. Hit that notification bell. I'm being told that everybody's notifications have been unnotified by YouTube or somebody who had access to that. I don't know. Maybe we need a report on that as well. All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being part of the Seattle Real Estate Podcast. I will catch up with you soon. Until then, bye for now. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. Bye. to subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell so you'll know when our next video is out.